0: Cambridge 105 Radio is a winner at this year's Community Radio Awards. Silver Community Show of the Year, The Alan Brigham Story.
1: Most of us live in houses that aren't that old, and when we complain about people building on the green belt and people ruining the view from your house by building new houses, actually your house probably ruined the view in somebody else's house when it was originally built.
0: Silver Creative Radio of the Year, The East
2: next you'll be waving banners like those cnd marchers in town can you hear yourself uh, peter and sandra will be delinquents on the
0: street you mark my words dad i haven't even gone out yet and bronze female presenter of the year lee chambers woke up in the middle of the night to find my cat with his head in a glass of water that cannot be the first time cambridge 105 radio award-winning community radio for the city and south cambridgeshire Across the city and South Cambridgeshire On FM, digital and your mobile Cambridge 105 Radio I'm going to read you the menu It's fantastic
3: So we get better flavour because of the fen soil
0: I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before I think
4: Have said they don't make it from (laughs) Hellman's. So you've got this big sticky mess when you start off.
5: Pizza, hot pies.
4: My wife's cakes
1: are selling hot
4: cakes. (laughs) Brilliant, thank you.
6: The time is right for this sort of thing.
3: Food
7: is everything.
6: (laughs) Cambridge is right for
7: this sort of thing. What's it like? give dishes.
4: Good afternoon, and welcome to Flavour on this special day, the return of the Mill Road Winter Fair. I am Matt Bentman, and here's Alan Alder and Sue Bailey with more details about what's in the lineup for today's programme.
7: Yeah, we're here in the studio in Guarda Street and itching to get down to Mill Road for the Winter Fair, but we won't be ignoring it. We'll be letting you know some of the foodie highlights from this year's fair uh, who's there, what they're offering, that sort of thing. And
8: among the other places, we'll be checking out a brew board, which has just popped up in Green Street, Calvary's, who have opened a tap room by the river, and a new bakery that's opening in Cambridge
4: next week. We've also got a lot of local food and drink news to bring you. But first, we're going to start with a very popular Indian restaurant that's earned its success largely through word of mouth. It's Tower, just off of Cambridge's Station Road. Sue went to eat there, was impressed, and asked owner Vilas Patel about its success. It's a beautiful hidden secret, except it's not so secret, because lots
8: of people seem to come here. And how long have you been here, Vilas?
9: So we opened two months before the pandemic in 2019 towards the end of December. No one was aware of that this to be a pandemic in March.
6: Mm-hmm.
9: Um, originally, we opened as a lunch cafe, daytime service for the office building around us for lunchtime service. That's what the original plan was. But due to the pandemic, there was no lunch. So then we had to think quick, what can we do with the premises? So we turned it more into a restaurant. And then we started doing the delivery takeaway side to get the awareness out there. Because we're tucked away, people didn't know we existed. But once they started tasting our food we kept on getting more and more orders and people got aware of us and then once we could open the
8: restaurants we were opening during that time and gradually it just started building up from there really and i'm eating some of your food at the moment and wow it's tasty it's vibrant it's spicy but it's not in your face spicy it's really subtle tell me more about your if you like your secret spice as it were
9: well each dishes have different spices in there um depending on what dish you're cooking basically but one thing i like to emphasise is that Indian food is not all about chilies. There are a lot of other spices that we put into it, and there's a reason why we put it. It's all scientifically calculated, but we've misinterpreted that completely. So the, all the spices that we put in our dishes, they all do certain things to your body, and it's calculated in that sort of level. So fish will definitely have garlic in there, but it won't have ginger. It will have very little ginger in it sort of thing. And like then certain dishes will have cumin in there, and cumin is good for your digestive system. Garlic is good for your blood vessel, making your blood thin... Um, so, you know, it's a combination of things, and there's a reason why we put these spices in there. So it's got a sort of health
8: background, it really. It yeah.
9: So it's based... The whole theory is
8: that spice, our spice collection is based on the theory of Ayurvedic. Yes, indeed, which I know of. Kappa, Peter, Veda? Right. V- Have I got it right? Vada. Vata.
9: Vada, yes. Yeah. Kappa, pita, Vata. They're the three. So th- what we believe in is like every human has one of those type of body, basically, based on um, which what they're like sort of thing. It, things is emphasized on things like your hair quality, um, your size, um, th- how you're built, how you digest your food, how you like certain things and you don't like certain things. You know, it's like myself, I like all warm things. I don't like cold things at all, sort of things. I always emphasise on the warm food. I don't like... I'm not that keen on ice cream. So your body's, like, then um, into one of these categories. And then based on that category, then they analyse the kind of food that suits your body, what doesn't suit your body. Ah. And that's all I have read. And, again, that's all calculated by the kind of spices that suits you. Certain spices will suit you, certain spices won't suit you. Can you almost work this out for yourself? You can. You can do a a mini quiz to find out. So you... uh, answer a few questions about your body what kind of things you like what kind of things you don't like and you can analyze your body whether it's kappa pita or vata
8: so presumably though people who come to the restaurant they can choose from all of the different types
9: Mm -hmm. yes so they can choose from any of those different types but we don't i would like to emphasize more on that later on in the years and explain what each of those things are because that's what the whole emphasis is about for people to understand a bit more about indian cuisine not the commercial Indian cuisine, but the kind of Indian cuisine that we have at home, basically. And so I did want to go into that bit more detail later on. In a few years' time, basically. But at the moment, what we're trying to say is, okay, our spices are made in house. We blend all our spices in house. We roast them in house. We get the whole spices and then we blend them. So, like something like our ch- chicken chettinad dish, it has 18 different spices, but it's not all chilies. So we have things like black stone. We have like black flour in there, something called black flour in there. We've got a bit of habbas in there. We've got like cardamom, cloves. So it's a combination of things. It's not just Kashmiri chilies or Dingy Mirchi chili. That's a very popular chili that we use. So it's not just that. So it's a combination of that makes that flavor different. And so when you're eating it, I want people to feel that they can feel a bit of garlic. They can feel a bit of ginger. They can feel a bit of uh, like the turmeric in there. You know, so I want them to feel all these flavors on their tongue, not just the chili that hits you and then just vanishes, like, a,
8: you can't taste any other flavors at all because that chili is so strong. One of the things I noticed when we came to eat here is that the layers of flavor mm. are so impressive. Exactly. And it's it's so different mm. to any other Indian food, really, I think I've tasted, certainly in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. But what would you say are your most popular dishes at the moment? So from our
9: menu, the popular dishes are chicken biryanis. They're very popular. And something that we call mesul lamb. That is very popular and chicken chetina is very popular at the moment. Yeah, so those are the three very popular dishes for us in in the mains. And then in the starters, we have chats. Chat is really nice because it's quite refreshing. You've got so many layers of different flavours bursting in your mouth at the same time. So you've got a bit of the tamarind side of it. You've got the yoghurt freshness into it. Then you've got a bit of samosa or something into it. And then you've got the green chutney, which is like a bit of a spice kick to it. And you've got the lemony um, chutney in there too. So it's a combination of things, and they're all bursting at the same time. And then to fill it all up, we've got the pomegranates on the top that burst at the same time too while you're
8: chewing away. I think I tried that and, wow, again, it really sort of makes your mouth tingle and sparkle, as it were. It's a very popular um, street food dish in Mumbai and areas
9: like that, especially in the summer day. It's a beautiful dish to eat while you're walking down the beach or something. So do you specialise
8: in one particular region then?
9: No, that's one thing we don't do because I wanted people to experience different parts of India, not just certain areas. And so I wanted them to experience a bit of whole of... India as possible. So we try tried to summarise it, minimise it as possible we could. So we had a bit of like the northern side, which is things like chats and that. And then I come from a district which is just below the north in Gujarat. And so we're more vegetarian dishes. So if you see on our menu, we have a lot of vegetarian dishes. And I wanted people to taste a bit of our cuisine, which is Gujarati cuisine. So we have things like tepla, which is traditional Gujarati style teplas, Then we've got this coconut bit that you just tried just now. That's mm. very Gujarati. So a lot of dishes are vegetarian that we have from our area. And then we've got a bit of the south where we've got the fishes and some of the chicken jelly from there, meso lambs from there. Mm. So a combination of things. It's not just emphasised in one region and I didn't want that. I wanted to make sure that people experience the different parts of India rather than just one whole thing of one uh, region. In terms of Christmas, are you doing anything special at all in the run up to Christmas? We have created a Christmas menu, but it's got a twist of an Indian flavours to it. So we've got things like seasonal vegetables which just going to be the seasonal vegetables that we have for um, Christmas, but we're going to have our own spices to it. Mm. So we've got a twist on that, and then we've got like a set menu, three course menu for twenty nine pounds for Christmas. That starts from first of December, and we'll decorate the place with the Christmas tree and everything every year. And we tend to get a lot of people
8: joining for the set menu. Oh, do you? Yes, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yes. What is your background then? How did you come to get involved in running the restaurant and owning the restaurant? <gasps>
9: I was an accountant. Um, prior to this and um, then I had some sandwich bars like Cambridge blue sandwiches we had those sandwich bars of doing normal sandwiches and we had concessions inside the university and I always wanted to um, do an Indian cuisine because I've, I've been living in Cambridge for the last 30 years and there are so many Indian restaurants in Cambridge but they're all one type of restaurants and it's I would call it, it's that commercial Indian food and I wanted to move away from that because I wanted people to experience what really true Indian food's all about. And so I really wanted to move. So one day I did want to open either a cafe or something for people to taste what true Indian food's all about, basically. After 15 years running Sandwich bars, I thought, you know, I really want to do this. I don't know which way it's going to go. Whether it'll work or not, I don't know. But I just want people to experience what nice Indian food is all about. So I said to my husband, you know, I really want to open this place. I know it's a big project. It's a big risk. We don't know which way it's going to go. But if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And then I started thinking about the menu, thinking about kind of people I want in here. The other thing is, I'd like to emphasise that our kitchen is made up of um, people with um, very little chef experience. So, but we've trained them in that way, so they cook. So we have recipe cards, and that's what we take further. We don't want to rely too much on a head chef because what happens is when the head chef goes, that's it, the whole cuisine comes down. And I, I didn't want that kind of a restaurant anywhere. I wanted my influence in it, and I wanted the kind of food that I eat at home and be able to adapt and change to things. So I wanted quite involvement into the kitchen really, and that's why the kitchen is set up the way it is today. Mm. So I and my business partner, we do the recipe cards ourselves, we taste it several times, we change things the way we want to, and then we train the staff to do it in the same way. And we have recipe cards which they follow.
8: And I mean, it's interesting that you said, doing all of these things, and we were just talking before we started the interview about sort of social media. That's yet another layer of things to oh, do. Yes. But you seem to be incredibly busy, and a lot of it seems to be all
9: word of mouth. Yes, it is. Most of, We have done very little marketing, um, but it's all word of mouth. And like, like we said, first we started, we started on Deliveroo. People started ordering. Some people ordered it, they liked it, they involved their friends into it. So they started ordering, and through that, word of mouth was going around. So when we could open the restaurant during the pandemic, people started coming in slowly. And just over the years, it's, just been, it's going to come up to our third year anniversary soon in December. So by this time, I think everyone's aware of Tower Kitchen. I think most of the people in Cambridge have heard of Tower Kitchen now. Yes,
8: yeah. exactly. And do you still do Deliveroo?
9: Yes, we do. Yeah. We mm-hmm. still do delivery. In fact, we're just about to open up Tower Bites. That's our new little uh, food to go project on Hills Road. And So that's more an emphasis of uh, fast food. Indian version of fast food, also covering lunch time. So we've got things like Mumbai sandwiches in there, Frankie rolls. Frankie roll is um, like a wrap, Indian version of a wrap, but we call it Frankie roll. It was, apparently, it was named after a cricket player, West Indies cricket player, Frankie Frank Someone I forgot his name. So it was named after him. But it's a very famous street food in Mumbai, and it's called Frankie roll because it's the kind of spices they put in there. It's like a fr- they call it Frank masala, and it's certain spices go into it. It's like a powder sort of spice that goes into it, and we've got like a potato pate in there and they have got the spices in there and then you can either have chicken in there or you could have paneer in there or you can have um, minced lamb in there depending on what you'd like and the actual bread, the roti is like a barata sort of style so it's very crispy but yet soft and flaky too mm, that's, that's a very interesting roti, yeah
8: I'm glad you mentioned about Tawa Bites because I was going to ask you because I've seen the front yes, and I have right. seen it's not quite open yet no. so when is it opening? We're planning to open in January
9: And like I said, it's all food to go, fast food. So most of this stuff will be on delivery and um, deliveries. There is pickup, but the place is quite small. So I think there's got seating. It's going to be seating about 10 people. I think that's about it. But it's mostly emphasised on food to go. So this is the thing that will carry from lunch to evening until about 11 o'clock. And what we're going to do is try and compete with the um, industry, the evening industry, with the burgers and the pizza. That's what the plan is. But have flavoursome food at night. So we've got things like comfort bowls coming out. So it's our Indian version of comfort bowls, where in a bowl you'll get some red rice, you get some crunchy vegetables, you get some sort of protein in there, a bit of salad in there, a bit of like a, a dressing in there. So you've got everything in one bowl, but yet yeah, it's a balanced meal that you could have in the evening, say after going clubbing or something and you want to have a drink or something, you want something, good food. That's healthy. Yes, yes. Because during those hours, there's very little limited food that's out there that is healthy. So you... You have, you're forced yourself to eat a burger or a pizza or something.
8: No, I much prefer the sound of that. That yeah. sounds really, really good. You and I look thank forward you. to sampling some Tawa bites
9: yes, when they yes. come
7: along. Well, thank you so much, Vilas.
9: That's okay. You're welcome. I
8: hope you enjoyed it anyway.
7: Very much so. Well, that sounds really good, Sue. And their use of recipe cards is a novel idea, isn't it?
8: It's a very clever idea because it means that there's a standard that Vilas wants the chefs to achieve and all they have to do is follow the sequence on the cards and, you know, she knows that they're going to get a good product
7: out of it. I think it's brilliant. So is it a way of getting around the issue of finding chefs which we know a lot of people
8: finding trained chefs that you know that are really up to the standard that she might want yeah. for indian cuisine and obviously if she's got people with an indian background they've probably got family background yeah but in terms of specific spicing she knows that she'll get a good person and a good taste
7: yeah. which is important it's a great idea
8: it is it is
7: Now details of free food available in and around Cambridge and the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Oleo app. And that app exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste.
4: Yeah, and today's look at Oleo for Cambridge shows us that Elaine, on the road to Great Shelford, has been buying too much bread. She can't fit it in her freezer, so she's got a white-seeded bloomer with caraway seeds to give away. Gabriel on Barton Road has three cans of Rockstar Energy drinks available, two original and one El Mango flavour, whilst Julie off of Windsor Road has a spare bottle of lye water. Now, what's lye water? Well, Julie would have used it for boiling pretzels. She also would have used it in Asian and African cuisine, she says. It's unopened and it's ready for pick-up any Now, some items that have just been claimed include a selection from Tesco's bakery, including tortilla wraps, batons, baguettes and rolls, as well as chilled items like sushi, hummus, salad bags, and plum tomatoes. And finally, Alison in Arbury. she collected a load of stuff, I presume from her local one-stop, and it included brioche bags, bagels, packs of honey roast ham, and eight full-size margarita pizzas to give away. So even though that last batch of items are gone, I just wanted to give you an idea of the the variety of food that is available to be claimed freely using the Olio app.
7: Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. And there is another free app And this one is called Too Good To Go. It has unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. And they don't specify each item. The surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag ready for you to take home. And that's instead of it finding its way into the bin at the end of the day.
4: Okay, so let's go on to our first news break now and we start with the winter fair that's happening now in Mill Road. As usual, many of the restaurants and cafes are putting on something special outside their premises and here is a little taster of what's going on.
3: Hi, I'm Luke from Limoncello. This afternoon we'll be having Limoncello mulled wine out the front and a Bailey's hot chocolate, tasting of panettone and returning the shop back into its original deli form with a lot of new products, focusing on Italian sweets for Christmas.
4: Just popped into Urban Larder, and they told me that they're going to have some Biscoff hot chocolate, lots of cakes, hot mold wine,
5: and various toasties for Saturday. Hi, I'm running Café Blue Sage, one nine eight Mill Road. We are normally making Middle Eastern, Turkey, Anatolian food, and the put outside our special triangle pastry. is contains feta cheese and spinach, and our special sesame biscuits. And we have vegan options also. Our baklava is vegan, and our sesame biscuits is vegan also. Very special homemade cake. And we have San Sebastian cheesecake also. Is it homemade? Actually, everything will be homemade. Hi, I'm TJ from Harvest, Romsey site in Mill Road. We are doing crepes, uh, vegetarian crepes on Mill Road Fair, and we have a very large selection of vegan products here.
4: And at Relevant Record Cafe. Okay, so
0: we're going to be selling uh, mulled wine, boozy hot chocolate, vegan rolls, sausage rolls. Come down and see us.
4: And a gazebo outside. I think a gazebo outside, yeah. All right. Thanks very much. Thank <laughs> And at Mauricio's, there's mulled wine, pizzas and fizz. More from the Winterfair
7: later, and we can't wait to get there ourselves. Meanwhile, in other news, the last Finboys Fish Club of the Year takes place on the 12th of December, and it will feature shellfish. There will be oysters... Two lobster dishes, including a twice-baked lobster souffle. There's a whelk dish and a crab dish and a dessert. All of this, and advice, and a cooking demonstration from the Finn Boys themselves. Fantastic. Book via the Finboys online reservation site and select the 12th of December. Hmm, sounds great.
8: Mm. And there's a really special Burgundy dinner at Fancett's in Mill Road on the 8th December. James Thorne of Thorn Wines, who supplies Fancet's, will present six Cote de Burn wines from Village to Grand Cru, including some lesser-known hidden gem producers. The wines will be enjoyed alongside a traditional bistro menu created by Dan Fancett. The evening begins at 7pm with a welcome drink for a 7.15 start and a 10.30 finish. Tickets are ninety-five pounds per person.
4: Good news for residents of Histon. The Histon Smokehouse will be opening on Tuesdays in future and that starts this Tuesday, the 6th of December.
7: A chocolate tent has opened outside the University Arms Hotel serving hot chocolate. Christmas news now. Dolce's in Rose Crescent is
8: producing selection boxes of their pasticini which you can order online or at the shop.
4: Poudini in Willingham is producing a Christmas Day meal box for two at £90 per box. It includes starters, a main, which is turkey, or a vegetarian alternative, along with accompaniments and a dessert. The dishes are designed to be finished off in your oven at home on the day. Gluten-free, there are vegan alternatives available as well. You can order up to 8pm on the 16th of December and you collect on the 23rd from Willingham. Just email them your order and send any inquiries to info at pudini.co.uk. Uh,
7: Burwash Larder has a gluten-free hamper available at around £55. The precise cost depends on exactly what's in it because you you're able to make some choices.
8: Midsummer House is putting some reels on its social media, one a day for the next 20 days, and they contain advice on how to prepare and
7: cook for Christmas. On
4: the 12th of December, there's a Christmas market in Linton at Linton Free
7: Church. The Christmas menu at Maurizio in Mill Road starts on Monday and they'll be open from 5pm. And tonight, there's a Christmas light switch-on in Northstow
8: on the Green. It's from 5 to 8pm and Brewboard will be selling drinks and the food is provided by Picasso and Nomadoe. The Flourish Farm Shop at Winter
4: Market is Sunday with artisan foods and artisan other things, such as ceramics. It runs from 10 till 4. There's 20 or so local artisan producers, they'll be there too, including Pei Chin of the Chin Chin Bakery, who we'll be hearing from shortly, and Susanna from Meadows with a mountain of cheese.
7: Tivoli in Chesterton Road has a Christmas market upstairs in the Bayard room on the 18th of December from noon until 3pm.
8: The next market at Waterbeach
7: is also on the 18th December. There'll be more than 40
4: stalls, including many selling food and drinks, including fish, meat, bread, and coffee. Biscotti di Debra is selling a wonderful festive torts set of early. The last collection day before Christmas is the 24th. Details are on her website. And Maison Clement is taking orders for bouche de Noël, Christmas locks, at both of their shops.
7: Cambridge Sustainable Food is asking for donation of gifts, money or fresh fruit and vegetables for their Christmas appeal. You can take gifts to the Clay Farm Centre in Hobson Square, Trumpington Monday to Thursday from 10 till 5pm or other city council Offices by appointment, but to donate fresh produce, contact Louise at cambridgesustainablefood.org. And if you take a look at their social media, you'll see more information as well as their bank account details for any cash donations you'd like to give.
8: Meadows of Eltesley Avenue has taken delivery of Panettone from Pasticceria Gray, which owner Susanna is very impressed with. And you can find the Meadows stall at the Winter Fair today in the Gawida Street car park. And Alex
4: Richards from Bagel Box on Cambridge Market has produced a bagel mix to use at home. Here he is to tell us more.
1: It's a foolproof way just to make your own bagels at home, basically. So the kit is all the dry ingredients you'll need. You just need to add some water and um, some sort of syrup or agave, I use agave, um, some syrup or honey or something. Follow the recipe, there's a QR code on the back of the pack, uh, it takes you straight to my website um, and you can follow the recipe there. One of the advantages, I guess, is that when you're closed over Christmas,
7: people can still enjoy a bagel, well, a, well, fre- a fresh bagel. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So obviously a lot of people tell me when they come to the stall and buy my bagels that they just can't make a bagel. Um, and I think, well, why not? <laughs> I, I, I find it easy. I mean, I've made a million of them now, so I'm, more than more than use use that and do it with my eyes closed, but yeah, lots of people tell me that they can't make them, and I just think, well, that's such a shame that people, you know, should be able to have bagels yeah. in their own home, nice and easy, fresh from the oven, nice and warm and toasty, yeah. um, to do with as they please. Um, and so, have
7: you had any feedback? Have people said to you, "At last, yeah, I can make a bagel."
1: Yeah, so we've, it's, it's gone really well. So I've only been doing it for the last two weeks now, um, and I've already sold. Well over two hundred units of, Um, so they've they've gone quite well, and we're just starting to get sort of the wholesale. So starting to try and get them into shops, and I'm pushing for some garden centres if that will. Fingers crossed if that will all work out. But we are trying to sort of get them get them out there, especially for Christmas, because we're doing them doing them with some Christmas boards, um, trying to make, like, gift sets so you can give them to your loved ones and friends, family. So
7: how do people get their hands? Just come along to the yeah, store?
1: Yeah, so uh, so they're in a select few um, shops. So there's um, a shop in Sauston that's selling them at the moment, the Greenway Shop. Um, otherwise, come down to the market store where we'll have plenty on offer, and I will be putting them on... Um, foodstuff foodstuff cams um, yeah. they'll be on there shortly to be ordered and then delivered straight to your home from in and around cambridge yeah
7: that's brilliant
8: thank okay you thank, you thank, thank you very <laughs>
7: much
8: great idea and Bushelbox farm in willingham has a range of homemade marmalades for sale there's perfectly bitter lime lemon blood orange seville saint clements clementine and ruby grapefruit and we'll have more news later in the program
7: Every so often a new venture starts up in Cambridge which you feel is the beginning of something significant and one such is the newly formed Chin Chin Bakery. Founder Pei Chin Lee has a lot of experience in making food. She has a wide repertoire and has decided that she will begin in Cambridge with donuts and cheesecake. I spoke to her on the terrace at Market House over a nicely satisfying flat white. Pei Ching, you're setting up a a new business in Cambridge. Could you tell us a bit about what it's going to be?
5: Hello, Alan. Yes, um, we are very happy to set up in Cambridge. Our bakery is called Chin Chin Bakery. Obviously, Chin's for my name, Chin Chin. Um, In our bakery, we um, focus on small batch baked goods. We want to make sure it's artisan quality. Um, We use the best ingredients and we actually make everything from scratch. Within our bakery, we'll be focused on donuts. We are donut crazy, if you call us. And we also do other um, firm favorite, including Basque baked cheese cake, as well as um, brownies, as well as some layer cakes. We're focusing on small batch, good to ensure the quality
7: right okay i've seen on your instagram page i've seen your uh, creme brulee vanilla custard donut it oh. just looks stunning
5: i think i should call it sinful donuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well i think so it's, it's got creaminess it's got crunchiness from the caramel it's got that sponginess from the the dough and it's is all this element in one donut, in one mouthful.
7: Yeah, well, they look beautiful. You obviously take a lot of care over it. Is that why it needs to be small batch, so that you can give them the care that they need?
5: That's what I believe, because I think I noticed quite a few bakeries I like. They all started with small batch, and they're all really amazing. But once they scale up, become bigger companies the quality just start going down so i want to make sure everything going out from chinchin bakery is exactly how i wanted them to be tasted
7: how will people get these things have you got a shop or what
5: yes we are actually looking for um, commercial premises at the moment but at the moment you can order on our website called chinchinbakery.co.uk um, you are able to select the flavour you want in a box of donuts, or you can just order a whole cheesecake if you have friends coming in for dinner. So then we'll do a local delivery to you, almost on the same day delivery.
7: They'll be delivered. If people won't collect them. They'll be delivered. That's
5: right. Yes, um, I think because the donut and some the cake is not very. Easy for transport in the van. So we want to make sure that they are hand delivered to um, customers.
7: Can you explain how, since your background is ta- Taiwanese?
5: I'm from Taiwan, yes. Yeah. 23 years ago, yes. Well, things like burnt
7: Basque cheesecake. It doesn't sound very Taiwanese, so
5: <laughs> how, did, how did this happen? <laughs> that, is, that is a very interesting um, link there because I'm from Taiwan, I grew up in a seafood restaurant, but when I came to London, um, when well, I first came to London, um, I was 20 years old, and I, I just... It opens my mind in yeah. London. you It's a food scene, isn't it? So you get to uh, eat tapas, you get to do Indian, you get to do Italian, and all that. So I think for me the inspirations coming from life. So then I like it. I went to visit a lot of market in London, like Broadway Market, Borough Market. And I think that's where I feel like my taste bud was educated, more Western Western way. And just a little to say, that my husband is actually from Spain. So ah, right. I so there's have, the
7: Basque. Yes.
5: Right. he He's not really from Basque, but Basque, cake is quite well known in Spain. So he, I, I had him as a tester and he said it was amazing and I put it in my business in London and lots of Spanish customers that they loved it because it's not too sweet. It's just the right level of sweetness and a bit of bitterness from the bun. So I'm quite I'm quite pleased, I must say. <laughs> well,
7: so you've you've closed your London business and you've moved I to Cambridge. Have. That's right. right, yes. Okay, you're not just setting up another business in Cambridge. So when's the business gonna start? When can people actually get your donuts?
5: <laughs> well, I hope that we have our website running really by early next week. Um, because I am actually setting up the website, but also doing the photography. We are doing lots of photo shoots and flavor tasting, and we want to make sure all the flavour are spot on. So we were, we are really looking at early next week launching, and we will be having giving out some postcards and putting it into your mailbox. Oh, so um, you, you're welcome to enjoy Chin Chin's Donut um, with those promotional quotes, Yes. <laughs> oh,
7: right. That's very that's very good. And uh, how, what's the website? How do people find it?
5: Um, if you go on to chin chin Bakery, Dakota, UK, you'll find us
7: right okay and chin chin is just all one word it's yes. not hyphenated
5: no it's not hyphenated
7: no, right. yeah great so from next week we'll start having some Excited. really exciting yes. baking <laughs> baking stuff and they're not going to be available in shops like say meadows
5: well meadow is um they are planning to include us on their baking office um but it's gonna start on next year probably january oh right
7: okay well that's (laughs) even better news (laughs) okay thank you very much thank you alan thank you thank you And Pei Chin was hanging out postcards to advertise the launch of her business yesterday, so it looks like it's all systems go. And as we said in our news section, Pei Chin will be at the Flourish Farm Fair tomorrow, but I think with spicy sauces and not with donuts. but, like I said, a wide repertoire. Oh, and I did try a couple of the donuts, and they are really good. They have subtlety. They're not the nasty, sticky ones you normally get. These have quality. So, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with more news from Mill Road
8: Calvary's new taproom and Brewboard's new taproom too
2: Cambridge 105 Radio
0: Whether it's Cambridge United, City or Histon Town, From the Terraces brings you reaction as we follow all our local teams.
3: In the main, to savour those moments and to create memories for supporters and and players is a major thing for us and delighted that we're connecting with the fans in the way that we are, delighted that we were able to celebrate in that way because they're the sort of moments that
5: stay with you forever.
0: From the Terraces with Tim Armitage, Sunday at 1 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player.
10: CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of
7: CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best.
10: To find out more, call us on Cambridge eight one zero one
7: hundred
0: to arrange an initial chat with one of our specials. Or visit our website cklg.co.uk.
7: Cklg Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. Cambridge
4: 105 Radio. Welcome back to Flavour and. There's the music signalling time for news from social media. Yeah, my Persian kitchen is popping
7: up at Thrive today. Walk-ins are welcome. Vanderlyle is giving away one of its festive treat boxes. Details are on their Instagram page. The Norfolk Street Bakery in Norfolk Street and Station Road. They've got lots of Christmas specials which you can order like a Christmas log, a Christmas cake... Portuguese sponge, pastel de nato, lots and lots of things. Mince pies. So you can order from their shop. Um, Flourish is selling a Christmas vegetable box for collection on the 22nd, 23rd or 24th of December from the farm shop. Each box will feed four people and is £30. Ordering deadline is the 16th of December and Flourish's normal £18 vegetable box, they're also available to buy for the 9th to the 11th of December and the 16th to 18th of December. And that's that's the end of the Twitter news.
8: let's have a bit more news from the winter fair now and see who's serving up something special for today beginning with bravo Street just over the bridge
5: as a special we have turkish gözleme, turkish churros and turkish burek. and so what's the gözleme? it's a
8: cross between a pancake and a crepe with filling in the middle there's a selection of fillings like white cheese, feta cheese, and parsley.
4: And what was the third item as well?
5: Burek. So it's Turkish savoury pastries. Mm. Cheese, lamb, spinach, cheese and olives.
6: Everything here is halal. And all our cakes are homemade, on-site, by the chef.
4: <laughs> Meanwhile, at Scott's All Day, by the Mill Road Bridge.
2: OK, today we've got Little Juanito's Taqueria. We are doing chicken tinga, pork pibil, and pork canitas tacos with frozen margaritas outside
4: filling out all the stops we're going, for <laughs> we're
2: going for it we're going for it
1: hello we are garden kitchen in mill Road. for the winter fair we're going to have our signature spinach cheddar and feta roll and our vegan rolls on display on a hot tray we've got some tiffins some brownies and some flatjacks ready for you and some bailey's hot chocolate and mulled wine we're looking forward to see you hello here at the mill cafe today we're going to offer you
10: greek style desserts like Kadaifi baklava, apple baklava and some special christmas treats like kurabiedes, melomakarona and other stuff that you are very welcome to come and try. Thank you very much. Hi,
3: at our junior today on Mill Road Winterfair we're gonna have a stall out front doing all sorts of nice foodie bits. We're gonna have pumpkin and coconut soup, leek and potato soup, chickpea pasties, mushroom wellingtons, we're going to have all sorts of cakes, we're going to have date slices, we're going to have mince pies, everything's vegan. Come down. And there's
8: lots of food and drink stalls on Donkey Common, Petersfield Gardens, the Gwyder Street Car Park, Tennyson Road and St Barnabas Road in particular, which people often miss. So we'll give a bit of detail on that. There'll be Brewboard, Chicken and Tings, Gorilla Kitchen and Veracchias in St Barnabas Road. There'll also be free tea and coffee, mince pies and candy canes in St Barnabas Church likewise st Philip's church in mill road will have tea coffee and hot chocolate all day and a christingle service at
7: 4pm and inside the salisbury club just opposite the end of ross street and pretty well at the end of the winter fair will be the edge cafe and the karim foundation there'll also be
4: hot food and mulled wine at ditchburn gardens now it's all change at the museum of technology down by riverside What used to be a venue overseen by Matthew Taylor and the other side team has now been replaced by Calverley's Brewery. Calverley's still have their popular taproom on Hooper Street, of course. That's not going anywhere. They're just expanding out to Riverside, renovating the engineer's house and providing an extra location to get their beer. And now there's on-site food and a nice big venue too. We're now located
3: on the engineer's site, which was built in 1898, which overlooks the river. Mm So there's the original house where the engineer would have lived, who maintained the pumping station next door to the house. The bar is outside. The wood-fired pizza oven is outside. We're in the last few days of getting the ground floor of the house sorted. We're working with the museum to just gently give it a bit of a restoration to make it usable for visitors to the museum site. And you can
4: pop down and enjoy the hospitality anytime. To give an idea of the size, you mentioned this marquee alone could probably seat about 80-odd people. This is a big site, and you can accommodate a lot more.
10: The site's huge. Calvary's is new to the site, but... I've been here for near enough three years now.
4: That's the voice of Ardell Sufavi, who you can find manning the wood-fired pizza oven. So what we're standing in front of here is a
10: classic Neapolitan oven, 2.5 tonnes. I come in, I make dough not for the week, but for three days. Have a coffee, start the fire. Fire takes a long time. It takes about five hours to get up to temperature. So you have to be in early. And yeah, the dough process is very simple. Obviously I'm not gonna give away my secrets of the dough. To accomplish it is very easy. To execute it to a high standard is very difficult. You know, the saying of 10,000 hours makes you into a master. I would like to think I have hit 10,000 hours. Pizza came into my life about seven years ago because I did a British Heart Foundation charity event for Cameron J. Fell Clark, who owns the Hollow Man on the market.
7: It's like even doing the Halloumi sticks. If somebody helps me, it's very important that every single one that's done is done with a little bit of love and care. Mm. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. Yes. Love
4: and care means you enjoy it.
10: <laughs> In a way, is he is my mentor to some extent. Yeah, to really compose myself and how to be a chef. It was good times with him. I I was a teenager then, Uh, that's when I properly kind of found my ropes and I have a passion in it for sure.
4: And this fire is going six days a week?
10: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. the same embers from Tuesday to Tuesday, I don't know how to put it, it's a very artisanal thing.
4: You're never going to feel the cold in a job like this but you're always going to feel the same constant heat or is that not true?
10: That is half true because half your body is hot and your lower body is absolutely freezing. So, I mean, you get a tolerance for it. You get used to the heat, you get strong hands, and you can withstand temperature eventually.
4: You sound like an old hand guitarist. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> look at, at these Keith calluses. Richards,
10: yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'd like to become a Keith Richards of the pizza world, hopefully, one day.
4: So, our mission here today is, you're going to make a pizza?
10: Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheese and ham? Cheese and ham, porchetta would sound good, yeah. yeah cheese, ham, good. mushrooms and olives. Yeah, yeah? Brand, I that. yeah? First things first, dust your hands in flour. Second of all, dust the dough. And the most important thing is to get exact cuts on the dough. Don't be afraid, because the dough and everything else in this kitchen senses fear. So you don't really want that, do we? Get the dough covered in flour, shape it up. It's kind of sound like Gordon Ramsay right now. Yeah. Then, three fingers, pinkies out. And then we make the indentations. We want to try and keep the crust keep the air bubble around it Uh and then when you probably get about six inches we want to take it off and do this this is called clapping we're taking excess amount of flour off the dough so you don't get a really bad char char like if I have too much flour on the pizza it's gonna burn too quickly This isn't just for show, the kind of pizza
3: clapping. It is essential to get the result you want.
10: Yeah. Well, I mean, today the dough is very relaxed. It's not so stiff. This will probably come out more Neapolitan style rather than New York style because usually it's determined by the weather. And now the weather is my worst enemy here. I have to either put in a little bit more yeast if it's a cold day, less yeast if it's a hot day, because obviously the environment changes the dough aspect. So it's
4: that sensitive.
10: On the topping side. This is what differentiates me with other places. A lot of places put sauce on first, which is the classic way of doing things. Uh-huh. But I've adopted a lot of, like, foreign New York, Chicago style. But I would like to think this is an Italian immigrant that just came off the boat. <laughs> I put on cheese first, then sauce. This is why it doesn't become floppy. A little air bubble I yeah believe. I
4: saw that yeah and
10: then we, got, we got our pochetta from Durello our mushrooms and olives somewhere from Italy this is the most important bit this is what senses fear when you put the dough the pizza inside the oven you have to be quick and confident otherwise it will stick onto the peel and then you have a load of mess because the moisture of the dough just seeps into the fibres of the wood. So you have to be quick about it. And that should probably take around a minute or so. Right. Yeah. And then a little quick touch from the sun. That gives like the aromatics from the wood. That is the most important thing about wood-fired ovens is your wood. I use a mixture of ash and birch. My fav- My favorite too. I think you could probably use oak, but oak is very oily and it tends to spit a lot. Okay. So, I mean, I've, I went through a lot of trial and error with this. Birch and ash are the best ones because they sustain a good heat for a long time, yeah. you know, over six days. Two years ago when I had my first oven, it was tiny. It was during the COVID era. Jesus, when we had Eat Out to Help Out and it was crazy. I could only put one pizza at a time inside. The orders were just gargantuan.
4: Whereas here, we're standing in front of an oven. I mean, you've got there, is that like a 12-inch pizza?
10: Yeah, near enough, 12, 13-inch.
4: And this could easily accommodate... Well, I guess it's not how many it can accommodate, it's how how easily you can get in there and turn all these things and keep them on. Yeah, precisely. Like spinning plates.
10: Yeah, yeah, I, I put it in a way of cooking scallops. The first one you put in is the first one you take out. I mean, if the fire was hot enough, at like 500 degrees we would probably get it in less than 60 seconds you know but that is the most important thing to keep the fire maintained always keeping it at a good threshold otherwise you're just going to have baked instead of broiled
4: do you use one of those sensor guns i
10: do my little my little Ah. glock it's my favorite thing Whoa, it's 300 on the base at the moment Uh and then let's say on the dome 430. not hot enough to melt metal but
3: I suppose the Achilles' heel with the site is that it never really had anywhere indoors. Yeah. So the winter could be a bit tricky, but we've been renovating the ground floor of the engineer's house so it can be used in the evenings for a bite to eat, have some wood-fired pizzas and uh, beer that we've cycled over from our Hooper Street brewery. Early December, we're going to have our log burners installed to make two nice little cosy rooms I'll show you a little tour of what we've been doing.
4: I was last here about five years ago when other side took over this place. This engineer's house, it was gutted. It was just an empty shell. Floorboards and walls was all I saw. Now this. (laughs) This looks like a a proper little restaurant.
3: And this is where the fireplace is going to be. That's it. So yeah, we've got the log burner ready. It was in a pretty bad state when we came in but the museum volunteers have been hard at it. The pizza company, Al Forno, have been decorating this place and uh, get it rolling as quickly as we can in this like, you know, really quirky location. Sat by a log fire and having a nice beer, is, uh, that, that, that appeals to me.
4: Cool. What a great venue. I'm sure it'll work out really well.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully so many years working here.
4: Excellent. Thanks a lot, Sam. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. And you're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, that was Sam Calvary and Ardell Sufavi on pizza-making duty. And if you want to find the venue, just walk up Midsummer Common alongside the river. You'll go past a few boathouses, well, the last of the boathouses. Before long, you'll see a huge chimney, which is the location of the Museum of Technology and the Calvary's venue. Now, we didn't really talk about their famed beers today. This was more about the venue and the food. But you can sign up for their newsletter to get updates on the new Calvary's beers, which come out quite regularly. Check them out on Calveleys.com.
7: Right, on to our third news right now and a final look at what's happening in Mill Road where we will be in less than half an hour. Finnboys will be selling hot lobster rolls as well as hosting an oyster festival with four different types of oyster and they'll be showing how to shuck oysters the professional way. There'll be lots of grab-and-go food on sale as well as local beers and there'll be lots of wine too and Finnboys will be open from 11 till 3
8: Now, away from today's winter fair and looking ahead to New Year's Eve, Thirsty has a five-course set menu from 8pm until late. There's warm sake on arrival and midnight fizz to see the new
4: year in. At Fancets, there's a special New Year's Eve menu. It's £105 per person. Reservations can be made from 6 to 8.30pm. And to book, just email contact at fancets.com.
7: Pine Shop has an extensive New Year menu and the cost is £45 per person.
8: Good news from Culinaris. They have reopened and are now on the corner of Mill Road and St Barnabas Street. It's a bigger shop and there's a
4: wider range of foods too. Restaurant 22 will close from the 2nd of January. It's a reopen in February. Bookings for February opened yesterday, whilst bookings for March will open on the 30th of December at 1pm. Uh, Looking
7: uh, even further ahead, there's an evening with Angus D. Burdett, author of... A Portrait of English Cheese, in which he'll talk about his experience in hunting down artisan cheeses. This is at the Food Museum in Stowmarket. He'll also discuss the museum's Hedgerow exhibition, answer questions from the audience, and all of that is accompanied by a selection of Hedgerow-inspired cheeses and local wines. And there's more information and booking on the Food Museum's website. On to wine news now. Amphora in Devonshire
8: Road has a France versus the world blind wine taste on 7th of December. Wines will be matched by age and price. Here's Chong Chong from Amphora to explain.
6: Well next Wednesday we've got France versus the world so uh, this is a very interesting theme because in 1976 Stephen Spurrier who was a British journalist um, actually sneakily organized a blind tasting but he was sneaky because he put in some Californian wines and put them against French wines and this was called the judgment of Paris. Now as you can imagine the French didn't like this very much because in the blind tasting French judges ranked some of the Californian wines above French wines and they were outraged by this and repeated the tasting and yet the same thing happened so we're doing our own version of that and it's a tasting we've done before but we're going to do some different variations of wines this time round so that's going to be great fun and the following week we have a Cabernet Sauvignon tasting. And on 40th December. The following week we have a varietal tasting after the great success of my Chardonnay tasting I'm doing Cabernet Sauvignon which seems very appropriate for around Christmas time and then the week after to be confirmed that that's likely to be a festive tasting.
8: Both nights are £35 and they both begin at 8pm.
7: Right so you've just been to a tasting of San what was it like? Oh it was really good fun
8: it was a port tasting with some very some expensive and some very reasonable wines from a very ancient porthouse from the Douro Valley. And fantastic explanation of the different types of ports.
7: I must say, they do seem to do it very well at Amphora. they Ooh. got the tastings right. They, they have indeed. Lovely yeah. cheeses
8: to have with it and a really fun atmosphere. Really good yeah. fun.
7: Really yeah. nice. But I also heard you've been at the Paul Roger tasting at Market House. Yes, it was a good week last <laughs> You're doing week. doing well. Very good, Yes. <laughs>
8: No, I had a meal there, a three course meal, which was expertly crafted and mm. created. Mm. And the guy, the main man, Englishman from Paul Roger, was there, explained things beautifully, and of course, tasting the Paul Roger. Yes. Amazing.
7: Very, very nice, too. Right. Lovely.
4: Now, Brewboard, whose events at its brewery in Harston we often talk about here, have opened in Cambridge in Green Street. And Sue went along to find out more.
8: I'm speaking to Ollie Pugh and we're in the basement of an intriguing new place in Green Street and Ollie is one of the co-founders of Brewboard and Brewboard has settled in Green Street so tell me why you've decided to settle and open in Green Street. Because this is a recent opening, isn't it, Ollie?
2: Yeah, it is. Basically, we've had an itch for a couple of years whereby we wanted to open a bar in Cambridge. Over the last year, we've had sort of some desperate bad luck in terms of getting that over the line. And then, thankfully, this situation presented itself, and it's on Green Street, very much in central Cambridge, which made a lot of sense to us in terms of getting people through the door. Yeah, we're, we're doing it now as a pop-up, basically between now and Christmas, see how it goes. Try and make yeah a good run of it and go from there, basically. If, if it goes good guns, we'll hopefully sign a long lease on it into 2023 and beyond. And then we'll have our own bona fide taproom. In the meantime, we'll be doing our damnedest to get people through the door, show them a lovely time, We've got eight different taps here, all manner of other stuff, and yeah, it's just a nice environment. Hopefully we'll, we'll make a decent decent fit of it, basically.
8: And it's an interesting site because you've obviously got the frontage on Green Street, which looks warm and welcoming, but you've got a couple of hidden bits as well, haven't you?
2: yeah we've got well where we're currently sitting we're sitting down in the hidden cellar hence the the slightly peculiar echo in addition to the hidden cellar i mean personally i like it down here it's nice and cozy and you know with all the uh, twinkly night lights on the ceiling and and the dark walls it feels cozy and nice in addition to that we've got the hidden courtyard which is a nice little outside space with nice floating festoon lights over the top of that. Weirdly we're looking forward to it getting sort of nice and cold because we're gonna do nice mould, wine, and cider out there to accompany all our cold beers that are on the taps inside. So something for everyone here. Different different facets. Plenty mm. plenty to come and enjoy.
8: How long has Brewboard been going for? What would you say are your main favourite beers?
2: Well, we've been going since 2017. We were going good guns, and then obviously COVID turned up, made things a wee bit tricky for 18 months to a couple of years. Quite difficult to to to, to fire up a, a a small craft brewery when all the pubs close and you got no pubs to sell beer to, but we did our damnedest to fire fight through that. We decided to carry on brewing, and instead of everything going to keg, which keg being our, our real bread and butter, we decided to can everything. We had our own canning line, and we just boshed everything into can. We fired up this, this thing called 24 and 24, whereby if people ordered a case of 24 beers, we'd make a point of getting it to them, to their doorstep within 24 hours. And if we didn't, they got it, they got it gratis sort of thing. It kept us afloat and it's all good. Now all the pubs have opened again. Touch wood, we're through the back of COVID. So we're kicking on, so it's all good. The other part of your question was our favorite beers. My favorite beers or our best beers? What was it? Ooh, a
8: bit of both. What What would you say your favorite beer is? And what are your best selling beers?
2: Okay, well, our best-selling beers are two beers called Rex and Ripcord. Rex is a 4.6% dry hop lager, easy drinking, lovely, clean, crisp lager. Ripcord it's a 4.3% session pale fruity, mildly hot-forward, it's got citron mosaic in it, so it's a nice sort of tropical flavour to it. Those are our two best-selling beers. In terms of my favourite beers that we do, I would say this in terms of our core beers, because we have seasonals and specials that come and go, and my opinion on that fluctuates based on what we currently have out at that time. But working on our cores, my two favourites are... Turmoil, which is a 6.5% West Coast IPA. It's a slightly malt-driven, lovely, incredibly favoursome IPA, which is a yeah stonking beer in my view. And Back to the Ripcord, which, you know, is just a wonderful, crowd-pleasing beer, in my humble opinion. Things come and go. I mean, like, we've just released a couple of specials of late, one of which is called... The Commandant, that's a 7.4% brut IPA, and another one called Sovin for the Future, which it uh, up a bit more as 8.4% um, NEPA, that's like a, a incredibly sort of hazy, hop-filled, almost like hop soup. And it's uh, it's a wonderful beer, I'd mm. say. It, it totally belies its 8.4% ABV. It doesn't taste like that at all, and it's it's just a wonderful beer.
8: Given the fact that you're now focusing, certainly between now and Christmas, in Green Street, will you be still doing the tap out in
2: Harston? Yeah, yeah, very much so.
8: And I gather coming up towards Christmas, you're going to be doing... Some- rather fun out in Whittlesford and who's that with?
2: That's with the wonderful people at Provenance who I'm sure you're very much aware of. Provenance Kitchen as they were back in the day when they had their Airstream and they had their horse box and they're out and about. They then set up bricks and mortar out in Whittlesford which is a cracking restaurant. They set up an event space up there at the Orchard Barn and so we've decided to collectively between us and them do these events up in their lovely outside events space the orchard barn and the one between now and christmas is on the 10th of december and it's called yule fest and it'll just be a lovely wonderful christmas mashup up with them doing their lovely Lovely grub that they cook on the, over um, coals and wood on their outside kitchen. They'll have a lovely festive menu for that. We'll have we'll take our beer truck to that, which has got 10 taps in it, and we'll have all manner of beers from our normal course right through to winter warming beers and seasonal specials, and there'll also be Christmas cocktails, mulled wine, mulled cider... Big fire pits. Um, there are back-to-back DJs playing all manner of decent music, but interspiced with some uh, some festive stuff. And it'll just be, you know, it's a one, it's it's a wonderful sight. Mm-hmm.
4: And there's Green Onion signalling the start of our job section.
7: Uh, Hot Numbers has a wide variety of vacancies in Cambridge. They're looking for kitchen assistants, a head barista, assistant manager, a cafe supervisor and a junior brunch chef. At their Shepreth branch, they need an assistant manager and a cafe supervisor. Check them out on their website.
8: Chefs of all levels, and including a pastry chef, are needed at Pint Shop. Chefs are also needed at Coat and Bill's, Two pizza chefs are required at a Romy. six are needed at Pizza Pilgrims and a trainee pizza chef is needed at Pizza Express.
7: A breakfast and lunch chef is needed at the Baron of Beef. Trinity College has a vacancy for a senior chef de partie, that's urgent. And a junior sous chef is required at Pembroke
8: and if you want more information you can have an informal chat with Sebastian Little on Cambridge 764 557
4: all of which brings us to the end of today's program. You can catch our repeat on Thursday at 2pm, and our latest podcast should be available now. Coming up next on Cambridge 105 Radio this evening is Strummers and Dreamers with Les Ray, followed by Rock of Ages with Paul Christoforo at 9, and The Kip of the Cat Show rounds off our day's broadcasting at 11.
7: We'll be back on the seventeenth of December. We're off to the winter fair <laughs> We are
10: indeed. Okay.
7: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
10: Bye.